Wow. We believe. I want to hear from our uh, congregation, not just from here, but from you and what you believe. Thank you, Shauna. Um, as we get started, I, I want to share a problem that I have. I, uh, I have a problem with my car. That sounds like somebody else has a problem with their car. And anybody not ha- ever had problems with your car? Okay, well, let me tell you what happened to me last week. Last week, I'm going to a meeting that's off-site from the church. I was, uh, I was in a hurry. I was running low on gas, so I planned on kind of strategically getting gas, making it to the, to the, uh, uh, to the meeting, and about a mile from the exit, the car quits. Just dies, and so I, you know, I coasted over into the shoulder, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my car. And this computer voice, that you, you know that voice, comes out of the dash, and the computer voice says, uh, "John, you need gas." And I said, "What? Yes, I know I need gas. There's gas right up here at the next exit." No. I'm afraid that I'm going to run out of gas. And you need to get out of the car and catch a ride up to the gas station to get gas and bring it back so I don't run out of gas. So I'm, I'm, I'm really confused at this point. I said, wait a minute. I know exactly how far it is. I know how much is in the tank. I've got the gauges here. What's going on? And I'm thinking to myself, when did my car start talking to me? And the car said... You know, I, I know in the past that you've made good decisions, but the traffic's been really heavy today, and I can't see the gas station, and I'm sorry, I'm going to wait here. When did my car develop the ability to think for itself? I mean, does anybody else have a car that thinks for itself? I am lord of my car, okay? I bought it, I paid for it, I have the title free and clear. I take my car wherever I want to go. Um, it, it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is. I get the keys. I get in the driver's seat. I start the car. I go. What was my car thinking? I mean, I have been faithful to that car. I have, I've taken good care of the car. When it needs tires, I provide tires. When it needs maintenance, I provide maintenance. When there's repairs, I make sure the repairs get done. And, and I, I take care of the car in that um, when I park, I try to park in a place where they're not, somebody's going to ding the door. I, 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 I stop at the stop red lights, you know, safety first. I go the speed limit, mostly. Um, so, I mean... I'm, Why would my car doubt my judgment? Why would my car question me? I am Lord of my car. Isn't that where most Christians are today in their faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus paid the price for us. He promises to be with us. He promises to provide direction in his word for us. 
He promises to bless us. Why would we question our Lord? And yet, we hesitate. We make excuses. We balk. And (laughs) talk to Jesus as if our way may be better. Can we see the future better than our Lord? I believe that there's a crisis in the church today over the lordship of Jesus. We we know of the saving power of Jesus. We know that Jesus has died for us. We know of the love of Jesus. But do we know the lordship? When we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? You know, I think for some people, the word Lord is kind of like Mr. They say Lord Jesus Christ as if it's Mr. Jesus Christ. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. Have we truly accepted Jesus as Lord? That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. Hide me behind the cross, O God, that these words may be your words. And may we, in the hearing of these words, hear only your holy word for us this day. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are acknowledging the authority of Jesus. We are giving, confessing Lord Jesus. But there is a difference between confessing or acknowledging and how we act. Isn't there? Isn't there there a difference? Isn't there a difference between what we say with our mouth and what we do with our actions? Paul says this in Philippians 2. I'm going to read the end of it, which is uh, really one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most powerful scriptures that Paul writes for us in all of his letters. He says, Therefore God exalted himself to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If Jesus Christ is never my Lord, then we're like the, the person who has their bank account filled with an inheritance. And we still live in poverty, ignoring the gift that has been given to us. We live in poverty. We live in the poverty of the spirit. Our lives suffer because we do not accept what has already been given to us. But this kind of ignorance was not the case for the early disciples. For the early disciples, they understood the nature and the significance of Jesus as their Lord. And... um, 
when Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he's not correcting them. The couple of the letters that where he's correcting. This letter is written from prison later in Paul's life, and we don't know if it's the last letter or not, but it's certainly at the end. He knows that his execution is coming. And, and so these letters more reflect some encouragement, some affirmation. And that's what we have for the, the church of Philippi. He's affirming them. He is encouraging them. He's basically saying, stay on the road that you are on. This part of the letter, as I said earlier, for me, is one of the most powerful of Paul's letters. And there, scholars believe that actually this was a song that Paul quotes. Paul quotes this in, in, in our Bibles and also in the, Greek, uh, in, 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 in the Greek letters and fragments that we have. It's set aside as if it is a poem or a song. And what the scholars believe is that this was a part of their worship. This was a part of, the, of something that they repeated every time they got together as we re- repeat the Apostles' Creed. And, um, and in that sense, this may be the first creed of the church. And, and it was so much a part of our lives, they would greet each other with the words... Jesus Christ is Lord. They didn't say hello. They said Jesus Christ is Lord. That identified who they were. They were basically saying, this is who I am and this is who my Lord is. Now, the word Lord comes from the Greek word kurios. And uh, kurios is translated Lord, but it means master and owner. Master and owner. The Lord was one who owned or had possession. And the title Lord is used in the New Testament. Get this, 618 times in reference to Jesus Christ. Do you think the New Testament is trying to tell us something here? Do you think maybe God knows that we have a preponderance to talk back. <laughs> By the way, my car didn't really do that. I, I, I told a joke to my sister one time, and, and, and I realized about two weeks later that she believed me. You know, So, no, I, it didn't happen. It's an illustration of what we do when we want to be Lord of our lives. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the, what's called the Greek Septuagint, it's the translation of the Hebrew into Greek. And then and when we translate it into English, actually it's first translated Latin, but and then into English, it was both the Hebrew and the Greek Septuagint that is used to translate the Old Testament. And the word there, Adonai, which is an intimate uh, word for God, is always translated Lord. Over and over again, we see in the Old Testament the designation of Lord. This is not a new concept for these early Christians. They understood what it meant to accept Jesus as Lord. And it was in conflict with something else. 
Because in the Roman Empire, a Roman citizen was to greet another with these words, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. Anything else was, was sedition or, or, or an indication of possible rebellion. And the punishment was death. Now, you ask me, are these early Christians serious about their faith in Jesus Christ and the acceptance not only of the saving power of Jesus, but Jesus as Lord of their lives, you bet. They risk their lives every time they said to another, Jesus is Lord. They risk being arrested and put to death every time they said the words, Jesus is Lord. And they lived in every part of their life with Jesus as Lord. For Paul and for us, it's not just an affirmation. It's not just a confession. It is an intention to lead a life under the authority of Jesus, which is promised to us as a new life. as something that is wonderful and complete, as something that we cannot create for ourselves, as something that uh, is, is powerful as we follow the lordship of Jesus. At the end of his career, E. Stanley Jones, who was a missionary, great writer, uh, he was asked by one of his friends, he says, the, the friend asked him, he says, no, Stanley... You have an answer for everything, and that answer is surrender to Christ. And he responded, that's it. That is the answer to every difficulty. Surrender to Christ. A pastor once characterized this kind of... of, uh, of submission to Christ as what might happen if we invite a guest into our home. Now, in, in the South, any of you from the North, you may not know this, but in the South, when somebody comes over to our home, we say the words, make yourself at home. Anybody use that phrase, make yourself at home? And of course, most people are polite, you know, they don't dig into our business, you know, they, do, they act like guests. But let's, let's imagine for a moment if we said to someone, make yourself at home. And they went, oh, okay. So they go to the refrigerator, they open up the refrigerator, they go, oop, this is out of date, throw it away. Oops, this is out of date, throw it away. Oh, do you really like this? This is bad for you. I'm going to throw it away. And, and then they go, start going through the pantry and looking at all the stuff in the pantry and go, do you really need this? This is a waste. And, and then they go into your office and start going through your private papers and say, do you know that you had this out of order? In fact, do you know you cheated on your taxes last year? We would be horrified to say Jesus is Lord is to invite Jesus into our heart and say, Jesus, make yourself at home. Whatever you need to clean up, Whatever you need to change, whatever you need to transform, Lord, whatever you think is best, you are Lord of my life.
you are Lord of my life. The most frightening question for me in the New Testament is in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. There it says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Interesting question. Will he find faith on earth? Will he? Truly? We might ask the question then, how am I to be sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord? How am I to be sure to simply say it? We can be sure by asking some questions. Is my worship life complete? It's in these moments as we worship and, and hopefully we become one with God in these times together that we experience the direction, the oneness, the confidence. Are we allowing ourselves to grow spiritually? How can we know the lordship of Jesus unless we are studying the scriptures and the word of our Lord? Are we serving where God has given us opportunity and gifts? There's something about serving. There's something about giving ourselves away. There is something about standing shoulder to shoulder with a, with a, a brother or sister in Christ that, that changes our perspective about what is, really, what is really important in life. Jesus is Lord but is Jesus completely our Lord? Is Jesus Lord of our eyes? The things that we see? Is Jesus Lord of our ears? The things that we allow ourselves to hear? Is Jesus Lord of our hands? The things that we do? I'm going to step on a few toes here, and I'm really sorry in advance. Is Jesus Lord of our mouth and the words that come out of our mouth? And even worse, is Jesus Lord of our bank account? Is Jesus Lord of our time, our calendar? Is Jesus Lord of our talents and abilities? Is Jesus truly Lord of our heart? That's the question. When we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, is he really Lord? Francis Havergolf wrote the song, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. There are many Christians that know this song by heart. And if you remember the words, it's basically a countdown of, of offering that which makes up life to our Lord. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them be. An impulse of your love. 
Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let it sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use it, every power as thou would choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is yours, O God. It shall be a royal throne, my heart. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take all of me. Take all of me. May that be your prayer.